0: Hi, I'm Erlene McIntyre, Creative Director at Ventura Design, and you're listening to Shut the Front Door, a light-hearted podcast that will bring you through the front door and into the homes of influential and interesting people. Home for me is one of the most important things in my life. My career has fortunately given me the opportunity to work closely with people and to help them create a home they will cherish forever. Today we are joined on Shut the Front Door by TV host and podcaster, Brian Dowling-Gurlinan. Brian first became a household name across the UK and Ireland when he first won the second ever series of Big Brother UK in 2001. He subsequently went on to be crowned the ultimate Big Brother in 2010. Since then, he has become a regular and most loved presenter across many TV programs and radio stations, at home and abroad. Brian grew up in Rathangan in County Kildare and is the eldest in his family with six sisters coming after him. He lost his beloved mother Rosie in 2018 to sudden adult death syndrome and through his own journey of grief has recently created a groundbreaking podcast called Death Becomes Him. He talks to people about their own loss and grief while helping all those who listen to it. Married to the creative director and choreographer Arthur Gulenan, we are so excited to speak to you today, Brian, and hear all about your story of home. Welcome to Shut the Front Door. How are you,
1: Arlene? not too bad. Well, that was an introduction and a half. I was like, who's she talking about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how are you? Where are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. I am at home. Arthur is gone shopping. So I have the house to myself. I'm quite enjoying having my own company because Arthur and I have lived, you know, in London. We've lived in LA and we, we normally travel quite a lot. So we've been seeing each other now probably like the rest of the world full-on since last April, so anytime he gets a chance to go out, I'm like, thank God he's gone, in a good way, in a good way.
0: (laughs) I know, I know, but it's nice, like, to have that kind of break in the day where you can kind of meet at the end of the day and talk about what you've both done. Yes, um, it's good.
1: See, we were married six years this year, but we've known each other, we met in 2002, so a long time, and we spent, you know, when we were dating, when we were engaged, when we were married. We've been able to spend time apart. And I have always said that's been great for our relationship because i am gone away working and he's in a different country. It makes you miss the person. And then when you come home, you're so excited to see them. And, you know, you make plans together and cinemas and date nights and dinners and takeaways. Yeah. So it's been really amazing for us. And I couldn't imagine what I thought. I couldn't imagine what it'd be like seeing each other constantly. But a, a bit like everyone, it's, it's the new normal.
0: Yeah, it's totally the new. And you're kind of learning all new ways to live together, actually. it's It's been an eye opener for so many. It's really funny. Six years. Congratulations.
1: Yes. And living together peacefully, <laughs> you exactly. know, because normally, you know, your husband or your partner or your girlfriend will wind you up. You're yeah. like, ah. Um, but no, I think, yeah, so far, so good. So far, so, so good. So
0: far. So where is Arthur today?
1: Arthur is gone shopping to get some ingredients for pancakes. He's insistent on making pancakes for pancake shoes, And I was like, you are on your own. Good luck. (laughs) Because he'll want to flip it all, you know. He'll want to be flipping them like he's some whiz on YouTube. And he'll want to be catching them with a pan. And I'm like, I'm not involved in any of that.
0: (laughs) You need to call your friend Donal for some tips. I
1: know. If only Donal could, you know, we're in Kildare. He's obviously in Dublin. But ideally, you know, it'd be great to have him here doing it for us. But unfortunately, not this year, next year.
0: And will you have like super elaborate pancakes?
1: I'm actually quite basic. I will be the pancake, sugar and lemon juice. That's really it. Whereas Arthur would want chocolate spreads, you know, Smarties, Skittles, Buttons, you name (laughs) it. He goes like Arthur loves his food and he's quite adventurous with his food. I'm quite basic in life.
0: Yeah, I quite like just the straight up lemon and sugar. I'm all over that. That's And That reminds
1: me, you know, I I quite like tradition and in our family growing up, you know, we a lot was about tradition and, you know, occasions and Christmas and Easter and stuff. So Pancake Tuesday for us was always mom with the pan on the gas cooker and all of us, you know, helping. And it was always just lemon and sugar growing up. So it's what I've kind of come accustomed to really.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And if you go abroad to the continent, it's all about the Nutella and the fruit, and they really, they go all out. Like, there's oh, yeah, all especially sorts in America. Out.
1: Wow, yeah. insane. It's layered pancakes and, you know, different spreads in between each one. It's so overcomplicated.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's kind of disgusting. It's just too sweet. And then it's like eating a cake. Yes. Whereas, Yeah, I'm not into that, actually. Arthur yeah, I agree.
1: A, Arthur has a sweet tooth. He loves stuff like that. Okay.
0: You'll have to you'll have to take photographs of your pancakes. That sounds really interesting. Now I'll be dying to see what he creates. Oh, you
1: know Arthur will be all over it. There'll be videos. There'll be pictures. There'll be whole lot.
0: (laughs) So Brian, I have a million questions, and I can't wait to get started into asking you all of them. Of course. If you could start, please, with sharing with me your first memories of growing up at home.
1: I think I remember you know growing up. I'm one of seven, so I'm the eldest, and I have six girls behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember my ail- my, I remember my earliest memory would be from going to my uncle Thomas's wedding. So my mom's brother and I was a page boy, and I don't believe I would have even been in school. And I remember the flower girl was called Claire, and I refused to walk down the aisle with her in the church. And I remember my other aunt, some more, and my mom's sister had to give me money. And she gave me five Irish pounds to walk down the aisle with Claire and hold her <laughs> hand. And I did. And I, I, re- I remember that. I also remember growing up and there being chaos, but chaos in a fun way. Yeah. You know, because there was so many children. And I remember our dad worked full time, our mom full time housewife. I remember just being fun, chaos, laughing. But my earliest memory is my uncle's wedding and me refusing to walk down the aisle.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. So you were, you were, you could be bribed.
1: Yes. Clearly, I was a diva from day dot. I was like, I am not walking down with her. And I remember she had a a bright blue dress on. But for, I think I was just nervous and scared. And there were so many people, you know, in the church. And I wasn't even at school. So I think I would have been maybe four. But um, the five pounds done it.
0: Oh yeah, that was a serious uh, amount of money in those days. Definitely,
1: clearly, there was a price in my head that day, and it was a fiver. And a fiver was like, yeah, I'll do anything for a fiver. I probably still would now.
0: <laughs> and did you have your own bedroom, or were you in, were you sharing bedrooms so, with your yes, sister? It was me
1: and the six girls. So I remember I shared with my sister Michelle. Now there's only ten months between us. I was born in June and my sister Michelle was born the following April. So everyone, we were in the same class. So everyone thought we were twins, even though we weren't twins. So we shared a room up until after our communion. And then I think when I went into second class, I was shipped to the end of the house to my own bedroom. And being the only boy, I got my, my own room and I got all my own clothes because my sisters would have had to share Close with each yeah. other all over the years, where everything yeah. for me was always new, and I absolutely <laughs> loved that. And I think being the only boy, I was spoiled a little bit. Mom would always put an extra bit of focus on me. You know, the girls would have to clean up afterwards. You know, I might have to put the dishes away, but the girls had to sweep the floor, clean the table, wash the dishes, dry them. Yeah, you know, every time yeah at any time I was feeling unwell it was like oh should we call the doctor should we send for the ambulance <laughs> and my sister's like are you having a laugh but we, we now reminisce in a funny way
0: oh that's so funny you know mothers and their sons there is a thing about that for sure
1: I agree and and being the only boy as well it was it was so special I remember you know having a lot of sisters, and each time our mom got pregnant, I would always say out loud, oh, I hope it's a boy. I really want a brother. But I never did want a brother. I always (laughs) wanted another sister, so I would remain the only boy. And thankfully, I did.
0: The golden boy. Amazing. Literally. Literally the golden boy. I love it. So what posters did you have on your walls?
1: I remember having one of the Barry McGuigan the Boxer, my father had seen it in the Sunday world and he got it for me. Uh, Barry McGuigan was one. It was in a gorgeous kind of purpley wine frame. And then there was, I think those posters of Aha growing up. And then Kylie, oh, yeah. of course, I'm obsessed with Kylie, still am. Oh, but Barry yeah. McGuigan, and then I actually got to, um, to work with Barry and we lived together for a show in the UK called Hell's Kitchen. And I was telling him that I had a poster of him on my wall for years. And then we're living together. It was very surreal.
0: Was he laughing? That is so funny. Yes,
1: he's such a lovely man. Such a great personality. You know, so much love, so much fun. And like Hell's Kitchen, that was a tough show. So to have, you know, Barry there was great. And I was telling him that it was on my wall. And my father was like... I, when I worked with Byron McGuigan, I think my dad was like, oh, he's finally made it. Like, I arrived. Anything else I'd done meant nothing, you know, because Barry McGuigan is a legend. Oh, so it was really weird having weird. his posters on my wall. And then, you know, having Kylie's posters on the wall and getting to meet Kylie, you know, they're really kind of pinch-me <gasps> moments as a child, you know, living in Rathangan in County Kildare. Very, totally. very working class. And then to, you know, to have those posters of those people on my wall and then meeting them was very weird.
0: Absolutely. And when you, so you, did you tell Kylie when you met her that you had posters of her on your wall?
1: Yeah, she actually um, called me on the phone and oh was like, God. hi, it's Kylie. And I was like, oh, you know, Ki, 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 Kylie who? Who's Kylie? <laughs> She's like, it's Kylie Minogue. And I was like, literally shut the front door. What? <laughs> yes, it was Kylie Minogue. And she was saying how when I was on Big Brother, which would be 20 years ago this year in 2001, she was watching the live on E4 and I started to sing Kylie Minogue songs and she rang Channel 4 and E4 to say, it was Kylie, can you give a message to Brian Downing? And no one believed it was her. They kept Stan. hanging on her. Yeah. And then I got invited to the Moulin Rouge premiere and Kylie um, had a, was, was in the movie. She was Tinkerbell in Moulin Rouge. And we got a chance to meet and um, her brother Brendan was there and yeah, meeting, you know, Hugh McGregor, and Nicole Kidman. I was chatting with Kylie for ages. It was a real, like... It was almost like a dream, you know, when you think you're going to wake up. And I honestly believed for years I was going to wake up back in my bedroom and the whole Big Brother experience was a dream. Like it was so, it was so weird.
0: I know. Oh my God. Is she tiny? Is she teeny weeny? Tiny,
1: but beautiful. Um, Almost just perfection and so, so lovely and so genuine and very, very warm. And you know, when you really want to meet someone and then you Mm. do, and they're actually better in the flesh.
0: You know,
1: people, yeah, people don't yeah. have, you know, people, it can go the opposite way. But I've been yeah. so lucky when I've met people, especially Kylie, you know, it's like, it's a real kind of wow. And the fact that she knew my name seems so impossible. Like it really, oh. really does. I was like, I, and at that primary, I was like, oh, I've made it. I'm on the record. Oh. Nicole Kidman to my left, Kylie Minot to my right. <laughs> like for a, you know, a little gay boy, it was like, woohoo. <laughs>
0: That is amazing. And this was all at the, the, the back of Big Brother.
1: Yes, this was in 2001. This was just oh living in the house, God. you know, for nine weeks where I just got drunk, cried, argued, got <laughs> naked. And then, you know, and it was so weird because the night, when you're in there, you feel like it's, it's so, so long. Actually, mm. being on Big Brother prepared me for lockdown because it's quite similar, really. <laughs> you know, but I, then when, you're, when you reflect, you know, the years that have gone by, it was such a such an amazing experience. I'm so happy I'd done it when the show wasn't as diluted as to what it became. Oh, completely, I, 100%. In, in 2001, 100%. when it was still a social experiment, when people were still fascinated with the contestants, with the housemates, with the show, with the format. So I'm very, very lucky it was in 2001.
0: I mean, I, I, I just can't believe it's a, it's coming up to 20 years since you won Big Brother. It's insane. Yes. It'll be
1: 20 20 years ago. So 2001, I would have been auditioning. I got a call, actually. Oh, my goodness. I got a call around Valentine's Day to go and meet with the production producer. So around this time, 20 years ago, is when I started to audition for the show. And then I got a place in the house in May. And then 27th of July was when I was crowned the winner.
0: Oh, my God. So let me just rewind a wee bit. So then you moved from Kildare to London when did you what year was that when did you I go I
1: moved I got a job with Ryanair as, a, as an air steward I like to say flight attendant It makes me sound way more glamorous as a flight <laughs> attendant I wanted to be an, um, an air steward I wanted to be an air steward so much and oh. I remember growing up my parents um, you know we didn't have a lot of money growing up but we had everything we wanted laughter yeah. you know love warmth clothes, food, all, all the essentials and my parents saved and sent me on an airline trading course and it was the Francis Roach Airline Training Academy at Waterford Airport and I think that would have been around 96 after I left school because they knew I really wanted to fly and then I'd done that course and then I went for an interview with um, Ryanair, I didn't get it, they told me I was too young and then I was working in Dunstores in Newbridge, I was the first male, the first guy on the cash registers. And then I became supervisor in there. And then I seen a lady who was Ryanair uniform. Um, I was chatting, she was checking out her food and she told me I should, she gave me a number. I rang the number, Ryanair. I got an interview the next day and I got hired and I moved, done the training in Dublin. And I moved in 1998 to Stansted Airport, Bishop's Dorford, where I lived with loads of people I'm still friends with, you know, all those years ago. And then Yeah, I was kind of going in and out to London. And also back then, I was still finding out who I was. You know, I was coming to terms with my sexuality. You know, I was Mm -hmm. living at home. I was an Irish guy. I missed my family so much. But it was the right time for me. I knew for me to kind of become who I wanted to be, I had to get away from home and stand on my own two feet and find out who I was. And thankfully, I did.
0: Yeah, thankfully you did. Oh, my gosh, how exciting. Okay, so then what made you enter uh, it, the house in the first place? Like how did that all come about? I seen
1: a trailer for the first season of it was a commercial on television and I got an application form for the first season in 2000 and my partner at the time was like, no, you're not doing that show. You know, he was an investment banker at JP Morgan. He was a bit of a snob, privately educated. The complete opposite to me. You know, I suppose that's (laughs) why we worked because we were so different. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, you can't do that. And I said to my parents and they were like, no way. You know, will they see you in the shower? Will they see you blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I didn't do it. And then I was on a flight and they were talking about Nasty Nick. And I was like, who's Nasty Nick? What's going on? Passengers. And then I remember coming back home and just being gripped to Nick writing names down on pieces of paper. And then, you know, and Anna was Irish and she yeah. was a nun and she was a lesbian. I was like, oh, this is so scandalous. Oh, it was amazing.
0: I remember yes. it. well. I
1: remember getting to meet Anna Nolan. I was so starstruck. so lovely and done so well. And I really think that Anna, in a sense, paved the way for me the following year because she yes. was so open and she was so fun.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: And then I watched, watched it. And then I got an application form. For the second season of the show And I didn't I didn't fill it out And my partner and I Broke up at the time And I remember he sent me He sent me a text Something about Valentine's Day uh, And how I wouldn't be Getting flowers And I was so enraged I remember filling in The application form And sending it off And I drank that pineapple Bacardi Breezers. I was so glamorous. From the <laughs> bottle, may I add, not even in a glass and no straw either. And then I just, you know, who would, you know, who would play you in a movie? Ricky Martin. You know, who would be your mom in a movie? Joan Collins. Clearly drunk on the Pineapple Bacardi Breezers. And I sent it in and a few weeks later I, I got a call, but I only really filled it in because my ex was kind of tormenting me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So thank yeah. you, Keith. And actually, him and I ended up getting back together. <laughs> No way. Yes, and because when I left the show and moved to London, him and I were, you know, kind of back together. And it it felt safe, you know, being with someone that I knew because my life had changed so much and I wasn't living in Stansted anymore. I was now living in London. You know, I'd moved to Clapham, to where my my boyfriend was, and I was living with him. And I suppose it was all very forced. We probably wouldn't have moved in together. We were still, you know, getting back together and getting to know each other. But the show kind of forced my hand I was I was only 23. I was so young. I yeah. you know was incredibly famous from going on this show for nine weeks. And I needed people around me that I knew and that I was familiar with. Yeah. And then I remember we broke up in I was I then started working on a, my first television show, SMTV Live. Anton Deck had left and I joined with Tess Daily. And then I remember in the middle of all this, my partner at the time left. We broke up and he moved to Australia with his job. And I remember thinking I was twenty-four. You know, living in London on my own, working on a massive television show, SMTV Live, and just thinking how, it's so weird because I remember I would leave, you know, our home and people would recognize me, but I remember such pangs of loneliness and being on my own and I didn't have any friends in London. And when my, my boyfriend at the time left to move to Australia, my friends joked, could he have got any further away from you? Like, literally. And it was just, yeah, it Was I wow. look back now and go, so young, you know, to be experiencing yeah. all that on my own. Thank, but very thank brave.
0: <laughs> like, brilliant that you did it all. I mean, you just kind of rode that wave, and it just hasn't stopped ever since. Yeah, I, I think I was very lucky,
1: you know, to, to be in the situation, and, that, you know, going on Big Brother, a lot of people that want to break into television do not have it as easy, you know, literally, That's I know. True it was nine weeks and it was like a show reel for nine weeks. And what, I remember when I came out and you were saying about riding that wave and I rode that wave for years, I think for yeah. six, seven years. And then I stopped because I kind of lost who I was and yeah. I think I became a bit of a caricature of myself, you know, and yeah, I just remember for a few months I didn't do anything. And then my first job back was when I worked at Byron McGuigan going into, to Hell's Kitchen, but it was an incredible Journey, and I'm so thankful that I still, I still work. I'm still out and about, and it it feels. It doesn't feel like it's been 20 years. It feels like 10 years, but 20 years is a lifetime.
0: It really is. And was Barry McGuigan good to talk to? I I would imagine he would have been very insightful.
1: So good. I I was having a hard time with um, someone else that was on the show with me, um, Jim Davison. and him and I just did not. We didn't click well, and you know, Jim would pass ninety marks about you know, gay men, this gay men that, and I I just wasn't in a good place myself And I kind of think I shouldn't have done the show The year that I'd done it You know, Arthur and I Had actually just broken up We were together for four years And we broke up for five years So Arthur and I had broken wow. up And I went on that show And that show is a real It tests it, It's a real It's a mental challenge cause It's called Hell's Kitchen For a reason You're getting mm. no sleep And you are honestly Working your ass off And it's a popularity contest You know, the public are voting for exactly. for who they like. And Barry was just so amazing, almost like a father figure. Yeah. I used to go to him, I'd be really upset and he was just so good. Such a lovely man.
0: I know. And he recently lost his daughter. He's such That's a correct. Really lovely and man. I
1: didn't see, he was on the Late Late Show and I, I, yeah. I actually, my sisters met me where he was on it and then actually my sisters told me I'd be upset if I watched yeah. it. But yeah, he was, was so, so watch. emotional. But again, I always think it's very brave you know, yeah. for anyone to open up so publicly about their loss and about grief because it is so sad. And I think a lot of people years ago used to feel quite uncomfortable about talking, A, about mental health, which people do now, but also talking about grief. And I think it makes people uncomfortable to know if someone is sad because we just want to fix it. We just want to make the situation better. But what yeah. I've learned from, you know, doing the podcast Depicombs or Losing My Mom is sometimes you just want people to listen. That's all you need.
0: Yeah. You just need to talk it out. You just need to remember them and just talk about them. I
1: fully believe talking is therapy. And the whole premise oh, sure. of the, the podcast was to have open, honest conversations. So when I see anyone, especially an icon like Barry McGuigan, or a sporting hero, you know, talking so openly about it, yeah. I, I, I think it's an amazing thing. I think it'll encourage oh. other people, especially men, to, to open up the conversation.
0: Especially men. I just thought he was so brave. Oh my goodness. I, I, everybody that watched that, I'm sure, wanted to reach out and give him a big hug. It was very, very emotional and very touching. The poor man. I hope he's okay. Um, For sure.
1: And I think people love him now even more. Yeah. Because I think when people are so open and so vulnerable, I think people really respond to it because it is relatable. Sadly, you know, we're going to lose our parents. Sadly, we're going to lose people we love. You know that's just what happens. You know, I was very lucky. You know, growing up, I lost my grandparents, but never really suffered much tragedy in my life until 2018. So it was a real kind of eye opener for me. And you know, you even question your own mortality and you know what's going on. Oh my goodness! You know, we 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 don't have tomorrow. All we have is the here and now.
0: Yeah, this is so true. It's 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 really it, it kind of makes you question your own mortality, really, and. And everything around you. I'm, I'm, I'm in that same situation now. You know, with people very close to me that are suffering from different health issues, and mm-hmm. it's just terrible. It's ter, it's just so worrying. You know, everything can't remain perfect forever. Things no, change. That's
1: the thing. That's the thing. You know, and I used to always when we lost our mom, I kind of thought this only happens to the movies, or you see it in a soap opera. You know, you read about it in a magazine or in the newspaper. But then when it comes knocking on your, your own door, you have to. You, know, like you still have to go on. That's the thing about it. Life sadly goes on and you, yeah. you have to live your life in a very, very different way. And you're almost trying to find a new identity, you know, because, you know, my mom was my best friend. She had me at 21. She was very, very young. It was feasible. My mom was yeah. going to be at my 40th, my 50th, my 60th birthday. For that to happen the way it did and I was in a different country, it's, it, you really have to kind of dig deep, you know, because the days are dark and you, you can the thing with grief is it can send you on a, down a, a dark path. Thankfully, you know, I think when you have good support system around you, I think yeah. that's what's very, very, very beneficial.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and look, things happen. They can happen very unexpectedly as well for people. And you, you just unfortunately, some people aren't prepared for this at all. It just hits them from the side and it's so shocking to them and they're dealing with the shock as well. Uh, yeah, but, I,
1: you know, we said before on the podcast, shock can be a very good thing. A shock is what can get you in the shower and brush your teeth, you know, can kind of numb you to the pain of your reality, you know? So I was kind of, I didn't know how I was doing stuff. And it was only when I started doing the podcast, I realized it was actually shock. Yeah. And in a way, I was glad that shock kicked in because there's no way that when I got back from LA, I'd be able to function unless I was not in shock and suffering a trauma because I just wouldn't have got out of the bed if I was able to feel how I was feeling. You know, because yeah. when, you, when you lose someone, like that and then you know you have this big massive wake and there's hundreds of people coming around shock helps you shock gets your ass out of bed and helps you talk to people because if yeah. you really were to immerse yourself in that loss in those feelings of grief you just lock the door and you wouldn't see anyone
0: I know and there's just not enough like you like exactly as you've just said there's just not enough training out there for how to feel or what to do like it's just a subject that's not discussed you know, it's I remember
1: deep- when I came up with the concept of doing the podcast and it took me from, it was Easter 2018 and it, it was a good, and then the following December 2019, I recorded the first episode, but I had the idea, but it, it, I just didn't have the courage to sit mm-hmm. down and I was afraid, I was embarrassed, I didn't want to cry, I didn't want to be vulnerable, and then I was thinking, well, how can I expect people, my friends, to come on the first season of the show and talk so openly if I'm not going to talk so openly. So that's why I got Arthur, my husband, to record the first episode with me. He lost his dad when he was younger to a, mm. uh, a brain hemorrhage. So mm-hmm. in a sense, I was I was safe with Arthur. And then I got, you know, my good friend Pippa. I was safe with Pippa. You know, I mm-hmm. Pippa sadly lost her mom, Louise, also. And then my friend Nadia. You know, I was working with Nikki Byrne and Lottie Ryan at the time on Dancing with the Stars. So I, I, I was able to kind of rely on other people that I knew. So it was, it was, it was good that, I realized, how can I expect them to be honest, you know, and then not myself? So I just yeah. threw myself totally into that. And it's, you know, it's, I, you never expect when you're working on something for it to be as successful. I wasn't expecting it because I kind of thought, it's about death, it's grief, it's loss. Is it too niche? Is it too niche? Because when you're going through your own grief, you don't realize that loads of other people are in the exact same position. You know, yeah. and it's been received so, so well. And it's the one thing I get messages about every single day and that's a good thing about a podcast you know and you know yourself they're there forever you know you, people can listen to and they don't age because it's just two people having a conversation
0: yes yes truly well i have to tell you your podcast has been so uh, beneficial to so many and it, it just helps open up the conversation where they feel it really more helped comfortable. Me.
1: Yeah. really helped me. I think yeah. everyone was, you know, I remember when I even go to cast it, the first one we did seven episodes and then the second one we did 10. And even now when I go to do the third one, because all I do is, you know, I reach out to Instagram and DM people. People mm. are, you know, aware of it and, you know, they've watched it and they have st- sorry, they've listened to it and they're still listening to it and they, they know what it is now. And that's, I, that's a testament, I think, to people on social media, you know, that, yeah. that spread the news because I was only really advertising the fact I was doing a podcast from my Instagram account. And I suppose that just shows you how good social media is. As much as, you know, there's trolling and there's a lot of negativity, there's also some really good things about it too.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's all in how you decide to channel your message through it, really, and, and what you decide to, to engage in. You have that control, you know. Totally. Um, And, and. I just wanted to bring you back if I could to Big Brother. I swear to yes. God, my mother absolutely <laughs> loved you on that show. She used to actually say to me, "Oh, I would love to have a son like him."
1: She's great taste, <laughs> obviously, Arlene.
0: You were just fantastic. Can you please share with me what that was like every morning waking up? Honestly, for
1: me, waking up every morning in the Big Brother house was like a holiday. It honestly was. You know, I was working as an air steward at the time i was 22 i actually had my 20 23rd birthday on the show so i i remember just thinking it was so much fun i was getting a chance to meet loads of other people that i wouldn't necessarily have met or encountered unless we've been cast on the same show together and every you know we'd be dressing up and doing challenges I, i didn't i didn't i missed my family obviously but i knew i'd be seeing them again you know i didn't miss television i remember i had a um, a mobile phone, like two or three years at the time. I think I got my first mobile phone in 1998, and it was massive. Mm-hmm. It was like a piece of turf. It was huge. Yes. You know, so I suppose back then in 2001, phones weren't really a thing. You know, not like it is now. But I yeah. remember just lots, just enjoying it and, and literally having so much fun and trying to tell myself not to get drawn into other people's bullshit or get drawn into drama. But look, that's going to happen. You're in a confined space together with other people. There, there are going to be arguments. You know, and, yeah. and there were.
0: And, and just privacy. You had no privacy. I mean, even my no like having a shower, was it being... Yeah, kind I, mean, of- I
1: remember in the first episode, my parents went to a local pub in Ruthangan, and I was nude on the first episode, you know, in the shower. <laughs> And like, you can see bits of, you can see my arse. You can see bits and pieces. Like, you can see what's going on. And then for my, my 23rd birthday, I got absolutely shitfaced in the garden. And I was mixing beer and cider together. I never drank beer and cider. I still don't. I think it was called Mickey Mouse or Snakebite or something. And I remember, like, I'm bending over and they are ripping my underwear off me. And like, and I'm bending over still. And it's like, they're not pulling <laughs> away from this. And like, there I am, literally naked <laughs> in the garden on national television. Well, at the time, you don't think people are watching. I forgot there were cameras. Really? Because you do. You'd hear them go...
0: Yeah, that's I what I wanted to know. Yeah. You know where you they would, are, even.
1: Yes, because you, when you walk in, you know, the first few days and the first week, you obviously, and the show is getting made and they're finding out what works, what, you know, from a production point of view. But you would, you'd hear them go... And you're like, oh, shit, what's that with the camera? You know, but then there was something quite safe also, about not having to worry about anything, that yes. they'll sort me shower gel, they'll bring in toilet paper, they'll provide us with cereal, <laughs> you know, they'll <laughs> give us bread. It was quite nice.
0: And have you remained friends with everybody from that show?
1: Sadly not. And that's something I've been thinking about lately. I'm not in contact with anyone from any time on the show. I'm not in contact with anyone from t- 2001. Wow. And no one from 2010 when I was on Ultimate. And no one at all. And I think we all change, obviously. Yeah. And I was I was in contact with some people. And unfortunately, those, you know, f- friendships are no longer. Mm-hmm. But I have been thinking about reaching out to some people, and I'm sure I could. There's been no drama. It's just the fact, you know, living in different countries, traveling a lot. And then your interests change. And I think you become different people. I was 20, like I turned 23 on the show. You're a long, baby. long, time ago, even from Ultimate, which is eleven years ago. You know, I was—I'm married now. You know, I'm, I'm a different person. I've no ill will against anyone that was on any of the shows. And you know, if I bumped into them now on the street, I'd be like, "Oh my God, how are you?" But being twenty years this year, I am yeah. debating as the winner—is it my job to organize the reunion? And then I'm like, "Is it my job to pay for everyone?" I'm like, exactly. "I'm like, how, what do I do?" Yeah, what do, I do Arlene tell me? <laughs>
0: Create maybe like a Zoom, like a giant Zoom to kind of, oh, reunite or something. Have, you know, like, I'm glad
1: you're kind of telling me there I won't be able to go anywhere in June. <laughs> you're like, it'll be a Zoom.
0: <laughs> it'll be a Zoom, for sure. And who was the first person you contacted when you came out of the house?
1: First, well, it was actually, I'd not seen my family, like, for way before. I went on the show in May. I don't think I'd seen my family till that March. So I remember when and my sister was pregnant at the time, our niece, Chloe, who's, 21 this year, no 20 this year. shadow in 2001. Um, so I, like, I remember seeing, well, wanting to see my family, and my sister couldn't travel because that was 27 July, and Chloe was born the 16th of August. I just wanted to see my family, and obviously it was the first time I'd seen them as an out gay man. I'd not seen them, you know, before coming out. It was all done over the phone and through my sister. So they were really seeing the real me on the television show. And I remember just giving my mom a big hug, and don't forget, they're, you know from Ruthangan and Count This was a This was a, a, a big show and it's a very popular show. You know, so for them, there was photographers following them. They were on the Ireland AM over here. They were on the news. It was camera crews at the airport. It was full on. But my, you know, my family stuck it out together and that's what we've always done. And once I knew they were okay, like even now talking to you, I get goose pimples when, when they open the gates and yeah. there was this massive TV set and loads of people. And I was with Davina and I'm thinking, what are they here for? I couldn't understand why there were so many people and why they cared. I couldn't, and almost like you looking over your shoulder, going, "Are, are they screaming at someone behind me?" Like this can't be for me.
0: But you were in total isolation, like for nine weeks, yes. and then you came out to this explosion of paparazzi and cameras and lights and people screaming. I just can't imagine what that was like for you.
1: I said it to my nieces because my nieces, um, the three girls, are ten. Leah Sive and Sophie and they're obsessed now, you know, like with YouTube and all these people and you know Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana and you know when Miley's out and about and she's getting chased with photographers and stuff, I say, Well, that's what happened to me. And they go, Oh, you were as famous as Miley Cyrus? And I'm like, Well, back in the day, yes, in 2001, that's what it that's what it was like. And that was yeah, the extent I remember of it. And that's the, that's an honest comparison of you know, going to places and having to Leave through back doors and coming through kitchens and so having I had bodyguards for like a few weeks, you know. Oh something. my god. Yeah, no because way. you you Bro. because the show was I think the final week, like nine or ten million people voted. I, I think know. more people voted for me to win Big Brother than they did when Tony Blair was elected prime minister. <laughs> that will tell you the extent <laughs> I could have been prime minister. That will tell you the extent people were were, you know, thankfully were obsessed with this show and they uh, people would walk down the street. I remember leaving the show and I remember I just wanted normality. And I was invited to all these amazing parties. And I said, no. The first premiere I went to is Moulin Rouge. Remember like for weeks, I just went to play tennis on Clapham Common with my boyfriend. But having two bodyguards who were the ball boys was so weird. Like That's they were, it was, it was like a real, it was just very, I just wanted to kind of get away. And I wanted to get on a tube. And I remember going to the cinema to see Jurassic Park. Was been Jurassic Park 2? Oh
0: I've my been God. so it's excited. long time ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like like it was just I just wanted I had this madness and I just wanted normality and I think I wanted to be in control I think I realized quite quickly that I wasn't in control of a lot of it and Mm -hmm. I wasn't
0: and did they give you any kind of like a a training or did they prep you before you came out was there anything at all gosh
1: there could have been all those people that were there there could have been 10 people you know I just wanted to see my family I wanted to see my mom, dad my sisters you know you doesn't mm. know. That's why they give you the the bodyguards, you know, just to make sure that you're safe because you're obviously now well, you're famous, you know, you're you're known, absolutely. you know, well, you that, have a public that's, profile.
0: That's uh, insane. And can you remember your homecoming in Rothangan? I think yes, the whole nation
1: massive. followed your it victory was absolutely at that time. massive. We had a police escort. Yes, <laughs> we high out Like I'm telling you, like this is how major it was, and it was in a massive people carrier a police escort the whole way down and there was this massive artist stage was erected in Rathangan. There was photographers. Brenda who was there and she was on the Jerry Ryan show. I remember thinking yeah. what's Brenda Dunahu doing here. And I was seeing people that I went to school with. And at that time I was shooting a documentary called The Life of Brian, but I didn't really want to do, if I was being honest with you, because I I just come off a reality TV show and the cameras were following me again. And I remember thinking, Oh, do I really want to be doing this? I know. But it was just and then I remember going to Dublin that night and staying in a hotel because I wasn't really able to go out. Cause it was I suppose it was the fame was probably too much. And I think, you know, that was the thing, was that you were every time you w- you left your, your hotel or every time you left your house, you were, you know, people knew who you are and there was how there's no training for that. So you, you just have to, you know, I'm a talker and I used to talk to certain people for ages and it's like, you know, hi, how are you? Thank you so much. But again, I was so young. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost feel like I've been doing it now. Well, now it's completely different because people now know boundaries. You know, people are very, very different now. Yes. Whereas back then in 2001, yeah, bodyguards, playing tennis, Kylie Minogue, paparazzi,
0: Nicole it's Kidman, on. I mean, it's, re- it's just insane. And really, yeah. it was still so new. So, like, there just wasn't any way you could even begin to imagine what w- what it was going to be like for you when you came out of the place. Like it was Nothing, just, nothing yeah, at all. Yeah, totally. No, and then I
1: remember watching Pop Idol, you know, and Gates and Will Young. And then I remember thinking, even with them, they have no idea, you know, what's yeah. coming their way. Because I watched, what did I watch? Oh, and Hearsay got together, Pop Stars. And here said the band. I remember watching that.
0: Yeah, I and remember. And thinking, I wonder that.
1: what that's like. And then winning Big Brother, I then had and it was pop stars, the rivals, you know, and girls Aloud. And I, I then, you know, very quickly realized this is what's in store for them, you know. Yeah. in a way, where you go, it's an amazing opportunity. I'm so thankful. I don't regret it. I just wish it wasn't as intense.
0: Have you been watching Love Island, and what's your opinion of it?
1: I watched, I think, the first season when it came back. And then because I was living in LA, I kind of didn't watch it. And I obviously know some contestants just from them being on social media. It's a bit like a sexy big brother. That's yeah. what I thought. I think it's, it's like a, a big brother for the beautiful people. Yes. Because you know? everyone that goes on that are perfect.
0: Totally. Perfect it's like hair. big brother in bikinis. Yes. it's It's like...
1: Top model mixed with big brother, right?
0: <laughs> totally. I don't know. Would you have done it now? Do you think if 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 you had to do it all over again, say if you were twenty one years old now, do you think you'd go into it again? Would you do it all over I again? Do, I wouldn't
1: do it now at twenty one, knowing what I know, purely because when I was on people's radar, there was no social media. There was yes. no Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I got away with so much. Yeah. People didn't take videos and pictures on their phones. Mm-hmm. There was there was none of that.
0: Well, that was better. Yes. So yes.
1: I, I now I couldn't purely for what people would say about me and they can write what they want, they can make up what they want if it's a good story, you know. At least yes. back then I kind of was controlling the narrative slightly. Yeah.
0: You know, look but at you, with social media,
1: I, I think I think it's harder for girls. Honestly than it is for guys I think girls are under pressure On the shallow stuff Their boob size Their bum size Oh she's got wrinkles Oh she's got hair extensions Oh she's not natural blonde Oh, look at her lips Or look at her, yeah, or look at her really... clothes Or she doesn't dress like that Oh she you know She looks too tarty Or she's too reserved She's so boring Oh she's kissed a guy Oh she's kissing two guys She's a slut Like it's so And oh. we you know I have six sisters A lot of my friends are female And mm-hmm. I just think that Girls are criticised So much
0: more mm-hmm. They are
1: they it's are, ridiculous. but right like
0: back when you were doing Big Brother, I think it was just very different. Like, I don't even think we were, people were as critical of when you were doing no, Big Brother.
1: people were, there was a more genuineness when exactly. people met you, you know, people, out and about, and people were a bit more respectful, mm-hmm. I think, as well, you know? Whereas now, I think it's a free-for-all. Yes. And I think now, if you have a public profile, no matter how famous you are, you know there's a price on your head and i really do i really do believe that you know and you see all the magazines now that do the spotted you know that encourages people to take people's pictures and let them know where they are but listen we all sign up for it i i sign up for it everyone that does does it but i think you can still have a private life and Mm -hmm. i think people can and should still be Respectful of, of your boundaries.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, what were the next steps for you after Big Brother? When did you meet your wonderful husband, Arthur?
1: Yes, we met in 2002. I had taped an episode of SMTV Live over Christmas, and it was a Saturday morning, and we taped it the week before Christmas. So, I had Christmas in New Year off, and I was in Ireland for Christmas. And I came back I was at my friend Simon and his brother Spencer in a bar called the Shadow Lounge in London. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen this. Really handsome man on the dance floor. I, again, I was drinking a Smyrna of Ice this time, not a Bacardi Breezer. So clearly, <laughs> when I was on Big Brother, I got classy and it was bye bye Bacardi Breezer, hello Smyrna of Ice from the bottle, but this time with a straw. So, Arlene, I'm getting classier as we talk. And I was wearing this over the top Burberry top that had the Burberry oh, kind of right. design on the shoulders. So oh, tacky, too. so me. So in your face. I was like telling everyone, I have some money. I'm wearing Burberry. Aren't I fabulous? That's basically (laughs) what, that's basically it. And then I seen him and I went up to speak to him and he was mumbling and he couldn't speak English. And I walked back to my friend Simon. I'm like, I can't speak English. And Simon's like, "Uh, do you care? He's hot. I went, you're right. And then remember we snogged and we went for like a, a, a coffee. And then the next week, he was dancing on the show that I was hosting, SMTV Live CD UK, and Amazing. he was dancing with Zoe Burkett who was on Pop Idol. And Arthur didn't know that I was a TV host. He didn't know and I remember standing there with Tess and saying that's the guy I went on the date with and I snogged and Tess was like, "Oh my god, he's gorgeous." I was like, "I know." <laughs> and we dated till 2006 and then we broke up for 5 years. Aww. Back together in 2011 and married in
0: 2015. How cute. I'm yes. delighted. Happy yeah, so day. I,
1: <laughs> You know, because I've always said for Arthur encourages me to be a better person. I can get, you know, drawn into things a bit, whether it's a, a negative or a positive situation. Whereas Arthur's, you know, very grounding, you
0: mm-hmm. know, and
1: Arthur wants to see the best and the positives in everyone and in everything. And stuff like that is contagious. You know, oh, and I like to think that I'm yeah. a realist. I used to be probably a little bit more pessimistic. But Arthur is so optimistic, you know. The glass is ha- the glass is half full, you know. And you kill people with kindness, no matter how toxic or nasty people are to you. Mm-hmm. Don't allow anyone else to control how you react to a situation. Exactly. So I, you know, I've learned a lot from him.
0: Mm-hmm. So, was he living in London at the time? You yes. Were, okay. And then, he, what made you go to LA?
1: Arthur was over there for a television show for a job. We'd lost mum in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. And Arthur went over in, to New York in 2017, then moved to LA in 2018. And I think losing mom was the real realisation for me, going, absolutely, yes, I will go and live in LA. I yes. applied for the O-1 visa. I got the visa, uh, flew over to LA. We had a gorgeous place over there. We had a pool. We had everything. Oh, wow. I still missed home because, you know, LA, it's not like London. There's an eight-hour time difference. Totally. an like, 11-hour flight. I. And I remember that the year I was there, was over the, I remember one year I'd done 12 or 13 long haul flights that year
0: for work. Ugh.
1: And that's a lot.
0: Yeah, it's exhausting. And thought,
1: yeah. And I just kind of thought, mm, I'm not sure how long I can do this for. And then I'd done Dancing with the Stars as well as a way of testing the water and see what the opportunities are like for me in Ireland, you know, and it gave mm-hmm. me a chance to live in Dublin. I was living on Cable Street for a few months. And then COVID hit and we we couldn't go back. I was in Ireland, you know, and then Arthur packed up our place and said, let's move back full time. We would have been there till at least the end of this year, at least the end of this year. And obviously with COVID and everything else, we kind of moved back home a year and a half early.
0: Wow. So now you're, you, you have a new home together in Kildare.
1: Yes, we're in Kildare. And this is the first time I've lived in Ireland, you know, full time since 1998. Oh, and goodness. the first time Arthur and I have lived together by ourselves in Ireland ever, you know.
0: And what's it like? Like, how, how does Arthur like living in the country? He, see,
1: Arthur is a creative director, a choreographer, so his whole industry has stopped working. You know, yeah. it was Arthur, you know, so I really fell for him because his industry is completely affected. But I think what it's allowed us to do is to kind of sit down and plan and make decisions and decisions, you know, and, and kind of get to the right answer. Because when you're traveling so much, you know, and you're living in different countries and your family are away from you, you know, you can just get so carried away with traveling and doing this and doing that. It's been so good for us to kind of slow down ourselves, yes. you know, And it's quite nice living on our own in Kildare. You know, we were home at my mom and dad's house. And I miss my family. I miss Harvey. I I, were there for like nine months. But also, you know, we're in our 40s. It's kind of nice for us to have the independence, you know, and be living together. But it's been quite nice being able to slow down, I think, and take a breath from all the years of living in London and living in LA and being on and off planes and going places. It's quite nice to kind of just go... Let's take a breath.
0: And do you do you share the same ta- tastes, interiors wise?
1: No. Now this. Really? No, 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 no. We are so <laughs> different. Arthur is quite old school.
0: Mm-hmm. Like Arthur,
1: kind of likes you know the Victorian times, the Tudor look. Okay. You know that kind of finish, whereas I like sparkles. Okay. I like glass. Right. I like. We have this ottoman that we got um, in L.A. and it's massive and it's leather. And it's kind of old looking and like I was covering it with glass trays and this <laughs> and that. He's like, no, no. You know, Also <laughs> likes that kind of, you know, the Hugh Hefner vibe.
0: I That's was going the, to the, say that. I swear yes. to God, I was just about to say that. Yep.
1: That's him. He kind of likes that rustic look. Gotcha. You know, those bold, deep colours, the velvet. Almost yeah. like, you know, a gentleman's cigar room. Yeah, You 100%. know, the wood. Got because it. I'm like, let's put a Sarovsky crystal there. Let's yeah. put a glass there. Let's put the pink flowers there. You know, and he's like, no, no, no. But look, <laughs> that's the joys of relationships, right?
0: So you're a little more glamorous. And he's he a little more restrained...
1: See, you say glamorous. Arthur says tacky.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah, tacky in common. And that's, I'm a little like that. Like I am. And that's, I'm very bold, even in my clothes. Like when I go away in holiday, I am wearing the boldest top. I remember for, went for a friend, Brian Ormans, who actually done your podcast. Brian and Pippa were for Brian's 40th in 2019. And I wore a crop top. And I remember, like, and I said, you know, I'm not going to look like this forever. And I wore a crop top. And they were like, are you for real? I'm like, yeah, I am for real. I am 40 and I'm wearing a crop top. So, like, I just wanted to see. I couldn't wear that, you know, to done stores. So, of course I'm in not. And Sorry. I just this big straw hat. I can't wear a crop top now. But, like, I like bold. I like bright. I think it's, a, it's like, you know, I always say when you're choosing cushions for your couch, if your couch is kind of a, yeah. a neutral or a bland color. Put a really bold, bright cushion on that. It's like with socks, I always say. When I'm wearing a suit for work and the stylist picks it or the producer's camera check it and they choose it, I would always mix it up with the tie and the socks to show your personality.
0: Exactly. That is your personality. Just having that kind of colour pop really almost probably enhances your mood, I'd say. It just lifts you. It is who you are. I like the
1: way you called me classy. (laughs) 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 Anything but
0: and tell me something, Brian. Are you the ultimate hostess with the mostest? Do
1: you know what? Since we've moved in here, I've got glasses for every second occasion, but I keep breaking them. Like, I've broken about four glasses here, like, so bad. I've been waiting on a little kind of gold, because I was obviously um, a flight attendant. I want a little <laughs> bar trolley that I could take out and push around for my guests. And I ordered it in December, and it's still not arrived. So, thank no. you, Brexit. Yeah. But we've not been able to, you know, yeah. we've not been able to do absolutely anything. But now I think there's a lot of pressure because when we can, Ugh. people are going to literally be kicking our second door in going, uh, can I come in for an espresso
0: martini? <laughs> yeah. You better get ready. I would start practicing the cocktails. <laughs> My issue and is, and
1: when the I-, I have people over for dinner, I can't sit still. So once I know people are finished, I have to clear the tables and then start washing pans and loading the dishwasher. Whereas, and some people don't like that. But I have, I have to have everything clean before I start doing dessert. Do you know the yeah, sort of way?
0: I'm a little bit like that. I hate to admit that. I am exactly yeah. like that. It just bugs me that I know that's all waiting for me. I feel like a just relax.
1: And I could never go to bed with the sink full of dishes. And I couldn't go to bed. No. Like I have to turn the dishwasher on. I have to be organized when I wake up. Absolutely. Everything is clean again.
0: But abs- I have to have a clean pallet when I come downstairs. No way. I just couldn't. I, I, I'm not that person. That could have dishes stacked to the ceiling and come downstairs to that in the morning would be a nightmare for me.
1: Well, also, I'm lucky that Arthur does not drink. So if there's been a few cocktails and a few balls of fizz popped, I can, he knows that I'd be running on slow motion that day. So he needs to get his (laughs) ass in gear, get the dishwasher emptied, polish the glasses and put them in the exact same way they should be. Everything for me has its space.
0: (laughs) So you're ultra neat and organized.
1: Yes. And also Arthur would say that he's tidy. I'm ultra, I'm super clean. Mm -hmm. so like you know i I like when i'm in london and we had a cleaner i would hoover before my cleaner got there so she wouldn't think i was like a messy bitch so i was like (laughs) hoovering to make sure that she wasn't going oh he's so filthy so i was thinking no you won't come for me like that because i'm going to teach i like and i'd I'd leave stuff for her to see if she cleaned she didn't i put sweets and crisps under the bed she never did she never cleaned but i liked her her name was solange and we'd hang out we'd drink tea and we'd talk about boys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we'd read Heat Magazine together. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah you- and then she left. When she left me, I was broken hearted. Like, why? Why are you doing this?
0: I'm learning all sorts of things about you today, Brian. So you're <laughs> you, you bribed. You can be bribed. And you set traps for your cleaning lady. Well, now
1: it's me, off the set and chops for me. (laughs) Literally, he does. He's like, You missed a spot. I'm like, How dare you? I told you about that. Don't do that to me.
0: (laughs) I'm a bit like that in our showrooms, Brian. I'll just put a little happy face into a mirror if I think it needs dusting. And then I know somebody will pick that up and know it was me that that saw that. So it's just kind of a nice way of saying just keep an eye on on the dust. Because it can happen. But I think
1: I take after my mom like that because with seven children, you know, my mom being a full-time mammy, my mom was always on the go. She, there was, there was, my mom was always working and she always had the house clean and immaculate. And we were like, how are you doing this? Yeah. So I've been like my mom. I clean as I go along. So I don't need to say, oh, I'm going to clean the house on Wednesday because I'm kind of doing it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So like, you know what I mean? I'm kind of doing it as I go Definitely. along. And yeah. that works better for me.
0: Yeah, I'm more calm when everything is kind of somewhat organized and, and neat and tidy around me. If I if if, there, if it isn't, I'm just not relaxed. I can't even relax and watch something on, on the TV. I just have to have everything sorted, done, closed off, ready for the next day. Then I relax.
1: Dishes done. Totally, totally.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And do you make your bed every morning?
1: Every morning. Well, we have a massive, massive bed. Like, I think it's either a super king or a super, super queen. So we it's like an it empress. Is, it's massive. Jesus. And when he's certain, I've now discovered that it's super king. I think we have to get here. Is the king which is bigger, a king or a queen bed?
0: Well, it goes, there's the double, which is four foot six. Then the king is a five foot. The super king is a six foot. And the empress is like the two meter by two meter. It's a beast.
1: Well, I think we then, we're not sure. I think we're just the one below the emperor. You're, one you're the then. super king. Yeah, you know, and we've got a really big bed. I love it. And, you know, I, I love being in bed. My God, I sound like such a slut. I love being in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I love being able to relax. And I love lying on our bed. I don't have to get into it. Like, you know, six pillows. We've got cushions and stuff on our our bedroom is very bland, but through choice. It's just a dresser two lockers, two lamps, the bed, and then some wardrobes because I like it being clean. I like the idea of you walking in there and it just looking calm, you know, a candle burning or, you know, some music on. But yeah, so our bed is so big that sometimes I'm like to Arthur, can you make the bed? I'm too tired.
0: Yeah. I can't
1: fluff all those six pillows. It's too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Brian, bring me back to when you were on Dancing with the Stars. What was that like? You made TV history.
1: Yes. Dancing with the Stars next to Hell's Kitchen. And the reason, you know, I was lucky enough, I'd been asked to do it every year. And I, I said to Larry Bassett, and know, you broke me down. You got me. Because I knew, you know, my Tess is a good friend of mine and Tess hosts Strictly. And I've had a chance to go down to Strictly, you know, over the years. And that's full on. And I'd done Hell's Kitchen and that was full on. And I knew um, Dancing with the Stars was going to be quite similar. So I enjoyed, actually, did I enjoy the process? No, okay. I enjoyed getting to know everyone that was on the cast with me. I enjoyed the live television show experience. I enjoyed the dressing up, the costumes, the makeup, the hair. You know, every week I look different. But Arlene, that is so tough. We were dancing eight to 10 hours every day. And I think I was on that show, including training for 12 weeks. So that was rehearsals and then the live shows. And it was full on and you were learning, you would get have a week or you know, 10 days to learn a dance. And then it was like, oh, you've got four days. And then it was like three days to learn a dance. And when yeah. you've just learned the salsa, you go great. And next week you're coming in and you're going, what am I doing? You're doing the Charleston. They're completely different. Or then you're doing a tango. So for me, it didn't kind of flow where I thought, well, because I've done the Charleston, this will help with this. They never do. And that's why they give you the different dances, you know, every week. But oh. it was good fun. I, you know, I was able to do the same sex dance. I was adamant to do that. Yeah. One of the reasons I joined was to do that. Myself and Kai. And actually, it was just a year. Actually, I think it was around this time last year I left the show. It was around Valentine's. That um, I was adamant I would do a same sex dance. And it was received and it was done beautifully, by Shinowil, by RTE. It was received so, so well. And I'm just so chuffed that I was the person doing this for the first time. It wasn't even done in the UK. You know, Ireland had done it. My friend Ian, he was on Dancing on Ice with his partner, Matt, and they were doing that on Dancing on Ice as well. And Ian and I were obviously talking about it and stuff, and he was amazing. But yeah, I look back at that and go, wow, it's so funny because I remember... I was yeah, so happy it was, doing, it was, do, doing the dance with Kai. And then I was sent home the next week. <laughs>
0: oh my God, I love it. <laughs> so it was almost like,
1: you know, when you go, oh my God, isn't this amazing? You're in the bottom two, you're doing the first dance off of the series and you're going against Sinead Carroll and Sinead from Bewitched is a phenomenal dancer. So yeah. I was like, but literally the following week I was in New York. It was all good.
0: It was all good. What an yeah. exciting time though that must have been. So you did rehearse. Was there a lot of rehearsing involved in the whole Yes, we
1: had 4 weeks before the show starts. Okay. And with those 4 weeks you're kind of doing group numbers and you're kind of looking at your first two dances. Wow. So for me it was the salsa and the american smooth and then there was two or three group numbers. But then once you prep those you then have to you're then in show. You're then in showtime. And then it was it was less time to do the dances and my partner laura nolan is a world champion Mm -hmm. it was laura's first year on the show as a pro so i'm kind of happy that i had a newbie Mm -hmm. and we got on so well and then granja galana who's become a really good friend she was dancing with kai and then i got kai for switch up week so it was such an amazing experience and the good thing about it was even though we were rehearsing so much every day we still went out you know for the odd night just to kind of relax and unwind and have a few cocktails and no one was competitive i was happy for any one of those to win it and you know Lottie, an amazing dancer so focused so determined and that's really when things with covid started we were all on the show and we were due to go back for the final week and then they brought the show forward a week on the semi-final
0: yeah I remember that, oh my gosh, and tell me was um, and we're it different, still in the same position now. Was it different doing a live show though? like were you absolutely terrified? Was your heart beating in your chest when you were about to start?
1: What was that I like? remember you know looking up to work on live television show as a host, and I love it and I think everyone was surprised how nervous I was. It's very different going out in a live television show yes, and and hosting when you've rehearsed and done it all. going out live and dancing. Yeah. When you are not a very good dancer and you're trying to mask your lack of ability with costumes, hair and makeup. Because that's what I was doing. Because I was thinking one of the night I had the mohawk. I was thinking if they're looking at my feet, there's something wrong. So I would go into <laughs> walk <water laughs> of going, eh, no, tighten that, make that more revealing with the makeup. No, put another curl in the hair. Because I wanted to, sh- to sell the kind of the dance and what it looked yeah. like. But I was so nervous. I remember doing the salsa and I to put money into a slot machine. And I went, Brian Darling and Laura Nolan. And Laura walked away and I thought, oh, part of the dance, I went, oh no, come back, come back, come back. And I, if I look at the, you know, I've actually not watched all my dances because I can't. I can't watch myself when I'm vulnerable. It's so funny. I just can't. It's so awkward. And my mouth was open every second week. They actually had to tell me
0: I remember. to close my
1: mouth. <laughs> it was constantly <laughs> open. They were like, can you <laughs> shut your mouth? No, it was too much. But I, I dressed know. up every week. My hair oh. and my look was different every every I know.
0: i loved it i loved it fair play to you that is really not easy to do i can't it was not easy you know
1: for all them that were on it and everyone that does that that show is full on it's it's a bit like hell's kitchen it's a real test of who you are as a person Mm -hmm. you know and and because you're forced into those situations that are so stressful i hated saturdays that was the camera run where you would do your dance on camera and then you're forced to watch it back oh horrible absolutely so degrading because i was so bad at it I, they were like yeah you, weren't that bad. you were not bad oh, at it. oh
0: you're yeah, being kind. You're too hard on yourself you were not that bad at it, uh, uh, brian honestly you were great but it's have you really on, have you so so look back you should have a few drinks and actually turn it on some evening and watch the playbacks they're the funny one
1: that i've seen recently was uh, the dance with kai I, I really liked that. And then I seen, what did I see with Lord the Charleston? I really liked that. I seen that one, but the rest, not yet. Yeah. No, no, no. The costumes were great. I love the costumes. Yeah, it was with fabulous. The so theatrical. Yeah, loved so it. So theatrical.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was great. Very, uh, kind of a very uplifting show. Definitely loved it. So Brian, what's the biggest purchase you've ever made during the pandemic? Ooh.
1: Well, we've just moved house. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm going to say Actually, no, I'm going to tell a lie. It's nothing house related. It's skincare products. I'm constantly online shopping. I'm constantly on Brown Thomas, actually looking for candles. And uh, I got, uh, you know, Joe Malone hand wash recently and skincare products and stuff like that. Yes. And I just got myself a new dressing vanity area and I was on uh, blank canvas cosmetics the other day and buying brushes and brush cleaner and all this and Arthur gets notifications he's like who spent 100 euro I mean it's me sorry sorry and he's like you spent 280 euro on hand wash yeah sorry sorry
0: who's the most domesticated out of the two of you do you think me oh really
1: yes I, I'm like, I want everything to be perfect at Little House on the Prairie. So even though we can't have anyone round, you know, I'm making sure that the hand wash is there, that the hand lotion is there, in the bathrooms, we have shower gel for guests, you know, conditioner, you know, a hair mask, a, a, a new dressing gown. You know, yeah, the towels are washed every week and no one's visited the house. Like, I'm full on.
0: Do you both love cooking?
1: No. Arthur can't cook, won't cook, n- no interest whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to turn on the pan, fry a bit of mince, put in some onions, some tomato, put in a sauce, put, make some pasta, you know, put some rice in the microwave. That's something I said I'd get better at. And yes. I said Donald's always, you know, trying to help us with stuff like that. I just, yeah, it's not, I mean, I did home economics in school and I can cook, but I don't really enjoy, it's like, you know, people say, oh, they love cooking and they love going to the gym. I'm like, I need to love that more and do one more than the other. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. And uh, Do you no- enjoy cooking? Well, my, part, my husband, I've recently gotten married, so I still call him my partner, but he's my husband. Sorry, it's a, I'm constantly doing that. We only, got, we only um, tied the knot in December. But anyway, my husband. Oh, congratulations. Um, he is an excellent cook and he does all the cooking because it really distresses him. So I'm very happy to let him do that. And then I like, sort of, Is he quite good? Yeah, he's very good Yeah, he lived in wow. Italy For 20 years And Yeah, I know He's fabulous. really, really, really good Seriously And I feel so lucky Like the, the Each Every meal Every evening Is just like restaurant level no, I'm not kidding It's just delish But he just loves it And he takes great pride In his cooking so for yeah. me, I'm I'm very lucky. I mean, I get to do all the cleaning, which suits me because I like that part of the kind of the that that de-stresses me, to be honest. Once I know everything oh, so that works nice. really
1: well. He enjoys cooking and you enjoy cleaning up. Yeah. Match
0: made yeah. in heaven. <laughs> it does. It totally does. And the, the cooking is delicious. So, gosh, yeah, suits us. But I do like cooking, I guess. Um, but I know his cooking is better than mine, so I don't really. Right yeah yes why bother so let him do his thing yeah let him do his thing exactly um so do you think you'll have a, a lot like a big housewarming party when the lockdown is over
1: we've got a really big garden so I like the idea I've already said I'm thinking drag queen DJ <gasps> outside oh, of yeah. the kitchen <laughs> a mixologist in the garden Ooh. t-shirt optional depending on the weather mm. and then maybe a bouncy castle for the niece and nephews and all my friends that have children and then <laughs> a yes cocktails. <laughs> but what year will this happen in, I've no idea.
0: Oh God. Hopefully for June. When's your birthday? June. June. I'm June 13th, yes. Well hopefully for your birthday.
1: Yeah, that'll be even if we're allowed, you know, 10, 15, 20 people. Absolutely. And you know? it's outdoors. But I think at this point, yes, just to have people around, to have my family visit will be really, really nice. But I think this is all for the greater good. And yeah. I think we're probably a lot closer than we think.
0: I, I hope so. Oh my God, I hope so. And so, where is your favorite place in your home to just sit down and have a cup of coffee? Like, where do you go in the house? Do you know
1: what I'm going to say? It'd be the bedroom. I just really like it. It's a it's a big space. You know, I just quite like the idea. We have a gorgeous, you know, window there that I open. The lighting's also amazing for Insta stories. So I'm like constantly standing there. No filter needed. It's fabulous. Wow. And author will bring me up a a cup of tea. And I've got this gorgeous little um, Hermes kind of little plate that I put my wedding rings on. Oh, and then lovely. Arthur puts my tea on that. So fancy and bougie. It was, it was gifted <laughs> to us. It was a wedding bougie. Person. And yeah, I just like sitting there. And like I said, I make the bed, you know, I'll get ready, get, get to the bathroom and stuff. But I just quite like that room. So yeah, more so than being in the living room or in the kitchen. I quite yes. like just sitting on it. Yeah, I just, I, don't, I think it's because also in front of us, we have um, a dresser with a mirror, but we're, we've got loads of frames.
0: Mm-hmm. The different
1: sizes and shapes, and we're currently sorting out what pictures go in there. And I quite like the idea of being able to look at the people we love, you know, staring back at us. And there's only one big picture there at the moment, and that's of myself and my mom oh, on mom. my wedding day, and then a picture oh. of me and Arthur. And there's that's about ten sweet. more frames now that need pictures. But I just quite like that space, and it's very very quiet.
0: Yeah, it sounds lovely. Which I like. And tell me, Brian, are you a spiritual person? I don't
1: know. I, I,
0: I, I, and I mean, I, and when I say spiritual, I, I don't mean in a religious sense. Religious way. No, I mean in a, uh, in a, in a karmic way that you believe what you put out there will come well, back. Well, I
1: you. do believe in karma and mm-hmm. I do believe in what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Does that make me spiritual or does that make me hope that people that have done me wrong get a taste of their wrong medicine? <laughs> Maybe that's hope. <laughs> I'm a hopeful spiritualist.
0: no but like would you would you um would you believe that there's a higher being or that there's or that there's somebody is out there looking after you or
1: well I I suppose having lost mom you know in 2018 and with all that love that you have for one person and there was so much good in our mother Mm -hmm. and to be so selfless and to have seven children you know, and to do everything she did on the budget she had, all of us going through school, secondary level education, some through college, you know, for me to move away and, you know, still to be supported. That can't go away. So from that aspect, I do think that there, I think feelings and love and energy has to stay somewhere. And I do believe that our mom is still looking after her seven children you know, and she has me on this path of you know living in Kildare, being back at home with my husband. She didn't like the fact that we travelled so much that we lived in different countries at one point. So I do believe that there is someone, there has to be, though, right? I think there. Ha- I think for me, I just think that, and maybe that's what makes it easier for me is I have to feel that she's still with all of us. Yes. So maybe that's helping me on my grief journey. But I do believe in karma. I do believe in. What goes around comes around. And I believe in, you know, treat people how you want to be treated yourself fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you are, you're you're enlightened at least. You're spiritual. I should have just
1: said to you, yes, I am spiritual. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how does social media fit into your life?
1: Uh, I, I enjoy it. I don't enjoy Twitter as much. You know, mm-hmm. I've got a following on Twitter and I don't really enjoy Twitter. I find Twitter a bit more aggressive. I find Twitter a bit more depressing. I find Twitter very political Mm. at the moment, you know, whatever's going on. I find Instagram a lot more loving. I see a lot more color with Instagram. I see light. You know, I'm very thankful to social media allows me to be able to work. You know, it also allows me to share aspects of my life, with people, but again, I suppose I'm controlling the narrative because it's you know, it's my platform, it's my social media. I, I enjoy it because I think it's fun and it's a really good way actually of communicating with people and staying in contact with people, especially now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been, yeah, a really positive thing. I think so too, for so many. It's it's definitely changed, I think, for the better, particularly through lockdown, I think it's just been a better sort of place for people to connect for sure.
1: So I, think it's, of, I think it's been a great, a great outlet for people yeah. during lockdown, whether, you know, you want to look at Joe Wicks doing exercise that motivates you, there you go. You want to see Donal, you know, cooking. You want to go on, you know, Pippa with the, her fashion and, exactly. you know, makeup tips and all that stuff. I think there's people out there that people can go to and get a lot of joy from. You know, people that you find funny and stuff like that. And that's where I go to on Instagram. And the people that I follow on Instagram are probably people I'd want to go for a drink with. Even some people that I don't know. That's how I like to kind of do my social media is people that I like and people that I think I would want to go for a drink with
0: that you can relate to and I think it's just it's actually the the, since the pandemic we've all realized that we're all human and we're all in it together and that we're probably very similar in many ways you know and and this is what it is we're all in the same boat so we can't pretend to be anything we're not we're all in the same situation and what have you learned about yourself during the lockdown
1: Right. If you got an hour, where do I start? What have I learned about myself? Do you know what? I've actually learned that, well, I kind of knew this. I think I'm a lot more basic than I think in a sense of I don't need a lot of stuff around me. I honestly don't, you know, and maybe before I have put too much emphasis on probably my appearance, you know, and and kind of going out and putting too much pressure on myself. I think since lockdown, you kind of get to know yourself a bit more because there's so many hours in the day. You know, you're not really doing anything. And I've learned to slow down. I've learned that I'm a lot more patient, I think, than yes. I thought. And that I can act, I don't need that much in my life. You know, I can communicate to my family and friends via my phone. You know, I have my husband, You know, I'm in the same county as my family. So when, you know, we're in level three and stuff, Mm -hmm. that's all doable, you know, to see friends and family, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm probably not as high maintenance as I thought. You know, if someone had said to us five years ago, this is what was going to happen, we'd probably all go, oh, I can't survive. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, I've quite enjoyed the slow down pace, I think. I've quite enjoyed going for walks with Arthur. I've quite enjoyed, you know, laying in bed, you know, reading a magazine, reading a book, you know, watching a documentary on Netflix. It's been quite nice for me to be able to kind of pull back, strip it all back, but still be content and happy.
0: Love it. And what, what motivates you in life, Brian? Like, what's your absolute driver, do you think? What is it that drives you every day to get out of bed and, and to think about the future? Life. yeah,
1: Life. I, I questioned, you know, heavily my own mortality you know, over the last few years with losing mom and the fact that no one, I was so naive in life thinking that I was going to have my mom till she was 90, you know, I'd be 70. She'd come live with me, you know, fantasizing about how it would be. She'd be, you know, a little old lady with little red cheeks. And I fantasized about all of that. And I fantasized about how all my sisters will all grow old, like we're 80 and 90 and we'll, we'll all be healthy and we'll all be successful. And that's, unfortunately, that's the Walt Disney version. It's not, it's not life. So not having my mother around me motivates me. It motivates me to be a better person. It motivates me to be a nicer person, to be less judgy, to be more patient. And I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, Arlene, none of us are. So I have to live each day like it's my last. And that's honestly what I've been doing. I've used to always put so much pressure on myself, oh, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not. Yes, have the bread, have the donut, have the cupcake, and the two packets of crisps, and the glass of champagne if you want. Life yes. is for a living, and mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing over the pandemic as you know, enjoying life and that, do, doing the stuff that brings me joy, exactly. you know, and doing and being all that. Like I'm saying, yeah, I'm not going on a summer holiday. I can look bloated, I can look four months pregnant, it's fine, you know, <laughs> no one cares. It's stuff like that that you go. You know, like i not even been able to go, you know, to get the face done or to get a facial and go, oh, there's a line there. Oh, Arthur, I, can, I can lift my eyebrow now. Look at that ridge, you know? <laughs> because to be so obsessed with that, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a fun, healthy way. And to kind of, for, for all that to be gone away now, I just think it's kind of okay, but I suppose life and now I try to and want to live my life in a way that m- would make my mom proud. So mm-hmm. now I know I can answer yes and no now much more quickly, whereas yeah. before I probably was a bit of a people person. I wanted to please people, and mm-hmm. you know I don't want to upset them. But just say no, that's not for me. I'm going to pass or or no, you know. But obviously in a respectful, polite, appreciative way. Yes. Well, life, life that's- is just so sure. I think when you when you go through grief and loss, and you know, when you. you lose loved ones. Mm -hmm. It's a real thing of where you 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 want to live and you know you want to be here. And I used to always say I used to always celebrate birthdays. I was the one person that would always celebrate a friend's birthday and always try and do something. And now even more so because I go, I used to always lie when I wasn't 40. I'm 38. I'm 37. Now I'm like yes, I'm 43 this June. Aren't I lucky? I'm 43. I'm going to turn 43. You know my mom passed away at 61. I've got, if that's the case. We've got less than 20 years. That's not even 20 Christmases. I love Christmas. So I try and make each celebration one to remember.
0: Yeah. I love all that, Brian. It sounds like you, you, you've just, you, you, you've become very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very sad that you've lost your mom, but the whole experience has really enriched you in many ways. It's like it's deepened you.
1: yes. Which is, you know, in a way, because you're going through such tragedy and such loss, but in a way you have to hope it's what's uh, us having lost our mom and then I don't enjoy life anymore. Well, what's the point in that? We've already lost our mom. That's the worst thing that has happened to us. Okay. But that's just life. That's what's going to happen. So now every morning when I wake up, I'm opening the curtains, I'm opening the window, no matter what the weather is like outside. Just get that, you know, the fresh air in and go, you know, yes, we have another day. Our mom passed us in our death syndrome, so she passed in our sleep. You Mm -hmm. know, and I was afraid. I can laugh about it now, but I was afraid to go to sleep days and weeks after we lost mom. For fear, I wouldn't wake up. But It was, you know, because you kind of think, well, it's going to happen. You know, and then we all get tested and, you know, we're all fine. None of us don't have it. All good. You know, we got the heart check and all that at the Matter Foundation. They were amazing. But it was a real thing of going Yes, we're alive. Your life is for the living. And you can also honor the person you've lost by living your life to the fullest and by being a nice person.
0: That is amazing. I love that, Brian. And what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: That's a good one. Oh, you don't don't sweat the small stuff. Don't mm-hmm. stress about it. It'll all be fine. It'll, it, actually, that's what I'd say to him. I said, Brian, it's going to be fine. And probably take a bit of a risk and say yes more. (laughs) I remember years ago, you know, being offered stuff going, no, 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 not for me, not for me, not for me. You know, and I was just like, no, no, no. I was probably too safe in my environment. And then since I got older and we lost mom, I was saying like, you know, we've done the fittest family celebrity version of that and that was a mm-hmm. real thing of, yes, I would have said no to this, but yes, let's, let's do it. Or, you know, dancing with stars is saying yes to stuff that challenges you and stuff that puts you out of your comfort zone because I yes. was so safe in my little bubble. So I was constantly, you know, saying no, and I'd worry about stuff that's not really important. And I've also learned that what people think of you is really none of your business because they don't know you. So don't concern yourself with that. And when people say horrible things about you on social media or they're trolling you, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So oh, just oh,
0: that's so good. What they do, people hurt people. Oh wow, that's really good.
1: Because if you're coming from a true. good place and you're and you're full of love, you're not mm-hmm. thinking negative thoughts or that's or, or so horrible true. thoughts about someone. So yeah. it's just stuff like that. And I think that you know, in my forties now, I kind of know who I am, and this is the person I'm going to be, I think in our 20s and 30s, we can still, we're capable of change. I think, you know, in my 40s and then coming into, you know, midlife and 50s and a few years, you kind of go, you know, this is me, this is is who I am. And these are the people I'm surrounding myself with because they bring out the best in me. And yeah, I would just say to me, I'd say to much younger, just it'll, it'll all be fine. Enjoy the ride.
0: Who has inspired you the most in life that you've met along in your travels?
1: You know, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say my family and that's because family is so important and, you know, that's probably a a cheesy answer, but I would have to say my family because they've always, they've been here for me and, you know, from coming out and, you know, to going on national television Mm and, you know, choosing the career that I've had and they were there front and center all those times on television, all those times getting people to vote for me you know, in 2001 and then again in 2010 or through Hell's Kitchen or recently on Dancing with the Stars. And, you know, my sisters danced with me for a number. I'd done the cha-cha-cha and it was a memory lane and I chose my mom from the year she passed in 2018. And my six sisters came on the biggest show on television and danced with me, shaking their pom-poms, you know. And so I'd have to say to be family. My sisters inspire me every day in in their daily lives and being mothers and homeschooling their children, you know, and the fact we don't have Our mom anymore, and how they're each affected greatly by that every day. And I think, as the as the eldest son and the only boy, I worry about them, you know, because that's because they don't have a mom anymore. And I just think family and our mom and what she done for us. And Father Christmas came every Christmas. We got everything we wanted: Easter eggs, you know, Valentine's cards, everything. And I think Mm -hmm. I I respect that because you know it wasn't easy, and they were sacrifices and my mom you know over the years was always the last person to sit down to have our dinner because she was constantly running around you know when we were younger mom wouldn't have much food in her plate because we would have to eat there was so many of us you know Mm -hmm. so i suppose family inspired me and i think i have learned a lot from my family especially my sisters when they became parents and you know we you know all my nieces and nephews and they're rare almost like siblings because my sisters are so close to each other you know which has been great for them and seeing my nephew Harvey and being at home living with him for 10 months and seeing my baby sister have a baby. I was in awe of her, Um, you know, at at 28 and, you know, having a baby and having no mom around, you know, and our last conversation with mom was about getting pregnant and, you know, having a baby and mom was going to look after the baby full time, you know? So the fact that, you know, my sister still gets out of bed every day and she's a hairdresser and, you know, does her thing and her whole career has been affected by the pandemic, but she's still out there doing her thing. And I, yeah, respect family, hundred percent.
0: Love it, and Brian. Where do you... Maybe
1: also by Britney Spears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Britney's in the news. What's all that about?
1: Go, Britney! I got a chance to meet her. We danced together. I interviewed her. I'm like Britney <sighs> obsessed, and I watched the documentary. I've love, empathy, and I think she suffered, you know, greatly on a public platform. I think yeah. how people treated her and what she went through is shocking. I think she's owed so many apologies from people, yes. you know, maybe yes. even starting at her own family, you know, but again, I can't comment on that because I don't know what's going on. None of us know what's going on. Just her music and, you know, Hit Me Baby, Upside Did It Again, Lucky, you know, Work Bitch, oh, Womanizer, you know, she yeah. had such, she you know, to have that, But what, what happened to her and then that, that rise again and, you know, just phenomenal. And I went to see her perform and yeah. So family, then Britney. <laughs>
0: I know, and I was—I don't know where she came up on something on social media where I saw an image of her, where she was hiding in a cafe with her little baby. Have you yes, seen that and the picture? the paparazzi
1: were around her, and she was crying,
0: and they wouldn't leave her alone. Like it's just terrible.
1: It's almost like they wanted to break her. It's almost yeah. like they—you know—she became so famous, but it was yeah. someone so famous, and then kind of untouchable. All you could do then is just kind of watch the fall, right? And kind of—I think that's mm-hmm. what they've done, and. She shaved her head. It was just there was. I I just even now, everyone has an opinion on her, but you just have to hope that she's healthy, happy, and safe. And you know, I, I do think we'll see her tour at some point. I think in the coming years, I think we will. I think that's what she loves to do, and I'll be front row.
0: Oh yeah, she's she's great she is great you'll, you'll see me beside you on the front row that sounds yeah like I mean just plan. everything she
1: does and she was the first one doing it and if you look back yeah. at all those songs and those performances and something like, yeah, exactly. I don't care that she doesn't sing live she's dancing look at do you know what I actually explained it to be like me with dancing dancing with stars I said I'm giving you a Britney yeah the dancing's not so good right but look at the hair look at the costume look at the attitude <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically what I said, and it, it's true.
0: And Brian, where do you see yourself in the next ten years?
1: The next ten years, still mm-hmm. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Maybe a dad in oh, ten years. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That often I've been, you know, having those conversations for a long time. Now we're obviously living in the same country, but again, during mm-hmm. a pandemic, it's so difficult, you know, to do anything yeah. now at what's going on. In 10 years, I'll be in my 50s, you know. Yeah. Do st- you know, I probably I'm not going to age gracefully. I've said this to everyone, I said, like, get ready. I said, I'm just going to have it all done, you know. <laughs> it'll be all over my Instagram, you know. <laughs> I'm almost, you know, can't wait to have the surgery. I'm going to get this lifted here and put a staple in here and then I'm going to move my nose up here. And my face <laughs> is like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I'm serious. I just, you know, I, I still want to be healthy, happy and safe, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I suppose... Just to be content and happy. It's, cause yeah, I, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I wish I could say achieve a career and work and stuff, but I've always been more focused on content and happiness and that everyone around me is also content and, yeah. and happy. You know, we, we, I think we all think of 10 years is a, is a long way away. It's actually not
0: when you think no, about it. They're going not. to go so quickly. For sure. For sure. And, I, and scary. I'm so, I'm so um, surprised to learn what a family man you are. You really are.
1: Yeah, like family means a lot to me and I it, it yeah. always did. And, you know, I remember even when I worked at Reiner back in the day in 1998 and I was constantly on planes and coming home. I've never missed a Christmas at home. I've always been at home Christmas Eve, even married, you know, an author's gone to France, see his family. I've always stayed in Ireland. And even when we do have a family, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'll always be at home with my family down at my, and I'm, there's a real blessing in the fact that I didn't go back to LA during COVID because God knows I would have been so in LA and not being able to see anyone that would have been scary, you know, to be so far away and not be able to be with anyone. And yeah, so I'm kind of glad we made the decision and stayed when I was here because it could have, the other side is just, no, I couldn't have done it.
0: Yeah. And tell me if your home was on fire and you could only save three items in your home not including Arthur, what would they be?
1: Well, he'd be left anyway, because I've got three items. I'm like, bye, Arthur. <laughs> uh, I'd open the window for him. Three <laughs> items. Okay, but the first one would have to be my mobile phone. Oh, it yeah. just would. Because I've also got a lot of videos and pics of mom and all the, the kids of when they were course. babies, and Arthur and I, you know, from all yes. over the years. So my mobile phone. Yes. And then I was thinking I, uh, I would probably be, I've got this little Gordon, Louis Vuitton, like traveling with a, checkered grey and it's black and it's got the grey LVs. Never I thought that in New York with Pippa, but that's also got my passport in there. Ooh. So but I just love that that piece of luggage. So I take that with me. And then a third piece, what would it be? Your charger? <laughs> yes, Arlene, I wasn't even thinking the charger. Will <laughs> so it be my mobile phone, my mobile <laughs> charger, and then my little Louis Vuitton, little travel thing with my passport and Arthur oh, gave me I a love chain. It. That is in there, like a necklace. He gave it to me as a gift. And because we travel so much, it was always in my little travel thing when we'd be mm-hmm. away. And there's a picture of him in it. So I'd, I would take them with me. And the charger, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Brian. I was going to go, I was going to say, my Joe Malone hand wash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what you should do is just prepack your Louis Vuitton bag with everything just in case. Especially
1: by the door in case there's an emergency. <laughs>
0: And Brian, just before you go, I'm going to ask you something very quickly. It's called the quick fire round of questions. Fire away, of course. Okay, tea or coffee? Tea. Bath or shower? Shower. Podcasting or broadcasting? Podcasting. Text or talk? Text. Red or white wine? White. Home or abroad? Home. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Online or in-store shopping? Now, in-store shopping. Yeah. LA
1: or London? London. Virtual or reality? Because of that, well, actually that... You know what reality? Fashion or interiors? Fashion. Pippa or Brian? <laughs> That's so difficult and just so this pisses <laughs> a certain person off. Brian.
0: <laughs> just say Pippa.
1: <laughs> Brian all the way. I've had enough of her.
0: <laughs> and my final question. 2021 or 2022? 2022. Oh, I'm I love it. I'm optimistic. Yeah, Yeah. you have to, right? Totally. You'll be having your gigantic garden party with your jumping castle and your mixologist in 2022, I think. I can't
1: pack 20 drag queens in here. And, you know, (laughs) topless butlers and mixologists, is a joke. Okay, I hope I'm invited. Yes, of course. <laughs> i am actually, do you know what I might do? I might theme it, a Britney Spears party, and then you have to come as a, a version of Britney Spears. Maybe you could come as the upside did It again one in the red passage.
0: <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. I'm looking forward to it. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today on Shut the Front Door.
1: No, thank you so much. And By the way, I love the name Shut the Front Door. You know, you actually, can say when we it. were
0: brain, brainstorming names for this. Um, yeah. We had a different name, and then well, I, I can't even remember what that was now. I can't even remember. But anyway, and I remember
1: open the front door.
0: Some no, it was something like coming home or something just kind of boring. And and then somebody called me that evening to tell me some news, and I went shut the front door. And then I went yeah. shut the front door. I said that that's the perfect name for the podcast because you
1: can say it really nicely shut the front door, or you can say, <laughs> shut the front door, you know, which is, was just like, get out, leave me alone.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all in, it's all in how you say it, but Brian, thank you so much for joining me. And that was like the most refreshing chat. And I loved learning all about you. So thank you for taking the time out to chatting with me today. Thank you for asking me. And you take care and give all my best to Arthur.
1: He's just come back, and there's loads. Of, he's going to be making pancakes very, very soon. You'll probably hear the fire brigade.
0: <laughs> Actually, do you know what? In case of a fire,
1: I'm going to pack that Louis thing upstairs, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> Perfect
0: yes. timing. You take care.
1: Thank you.